Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar 20 en español.com. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Locatora Radio is a radiophonic novella, which is just a very extra way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. I'm Dios FM. And I am Mala Muñoz. Locatora Radio is your prima's favorite podcast, hosted by us, Mala and Diosa. We're two IG friends turned podcast partners, breaking down pop culture, feminism, sexual wellness, and offering fresh takes on trending topics through nuanced interviews with up-and-coming Latinx creatives. Known as Las Locatoras, Las Mamis of Myth and Bullshit, and Las Porcasteras Peligrosas, we were podcasting independently since 2016, but joined iHeartMedia's My Cultura Network in 2022. This year, we're continuing to share stories from the Latinx community pa' todo el mundo. Welcome to Season 8. Are, Are you, you listening? listening? Hola, hola, loca, amores. Welcome to Season 8 of Locatora Radio. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. You're tuning in to Capitulo 163-163. And this is the very first episode of Locatora Radio Season 8. Today, we're catching up with all of you listening and welcome you to a brand new season. And with a new season, of course, as you know, comes a new theme. If you haven't watched the full skit yet, head over to at Locatora underscore radio on all socials to watch the full clip. You know that we love a theme. Yes, this was such a fun skit, video, promo, everything. Shoot. Yes, this is all about having a podcast and the way that we're bringing light and love into your lives when you listen to us. And we, of course, were inspired by a skit from the Share Show called I'm a Woman. If you haven't seen the original, look it up. It's fabulous. 
Yeah, and we just loved the glamour, the aesthetic, the wit of Cher and Raquel Welch. So we were very much inspired by the glamour, the song. It's like kind of sing-songy, like like you talk sing. And Mala made me sing. Yes, it was so fun. We rewrote the lyrics, and instead of saying, I'm a woman, W-O-M-A-N, which Sharon Raquel sing in the original skit, we changed it to, we're a podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And we went to the best singer we know, Crisol, to not only help us put the song together, but Crisol literally sat with us and vocal coached us like note by note, word by word. And that's the product that you see, that you hear at the end. It's Crisol literally coaching us through it. Imagine we become pop stars. Girl. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Crazier things have happened. I'm saying, I'm saying, don't give me ideas. (laughs) Mala would 100% make us go on tour with this one. 30 second 60 second song it's enough there's other one hit wonders have made like legendary names for themselves off of one song i feel like now we've very much set ourselves up to perform this like live yeah i mean i will be lip syncing because my voice could never but it's okay with the right vocal coaching i got there yeah we laid down the track everybody lip syncs it's an accepted thing who cares it sounds fun (laughs) all the all of our favorite drag queens are lip syncing for their lives why not us this is so true um so aside from getting ready for season eight and filming visuals we've been super busy over here we had Mm -hmm. like our off season our downtime but we were definitely not off and we definitely didn't really have downtime No, I mean, you literally graduated with a master's degree from the University of Southern California. I did. The Obamas were at my graduation. Screaming. Among others, I'm sure. It was a star-studded affair. Truly. And I thought what was really fascinating about your graduation is that there was no, like, limit on who could go. Right. Like, other graduations, each grad gets, like, five tickets, and you have to choose who can attend. But at USC, they're like, no, the whole city's coming. It's come one, come all. It was wild. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, the graduation itself was very beautiful. Yes. It was, I felt very short and sweet. I don't know how it felt for y'all, but, like, for me, it felt, like, very quick. Um, less than two hours, a little over one hour. Mm. It was very chaotic, obviously, at the end, like trying to find everybody. But I thought that the graduation itself was very lovely. It was fun. I had a lot of fun, like walking with my cohort yeah. and just walking in general. Your sister actually designed my cap. Oh, yes. Yeah. So cute. I see it on Instagram. Yes. I asked her to draw or paint our logo the with the rose and teeth and then it just says palas locas because that is who I do everything for yep. it's for y'all the crazy bitches the crazy women yes. the so-called locas who are not really locas but you know head back to loca epistemologies if you want to know more <laughs> the episode origins. one that was really fun and then just after the graduation it has just been non-stop like other graduations my partner graduated he got his master's parties, weddings, my best friend got married. It's just Mm -hmm. been crazy. It's been very wild, very social, and I'm exhausted. My social battery is depleted. But it was a really fun, incredible graduation and wedding season. Yeah, well, I can't tell because you look amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You would never know. (laughs) No, it's been been a really fun... 
like kickoff to the summer. Totally. Honestly, it's been kind of cold and downcast, but there's been so much going on that it's still yes. been a really fun time. Yeah, I've also just been transitioning into just life, like now just having locatora on my plate, mm-hmm. and that is obviously a full serving of lots of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, have just been like reflecting over the last couple of weeks and realizing that I'm recovering from seven years of burnout. And not Real. just graduation and not just grad school and having multiple jobs. It's like seven years of like running myself into the ground, mm-hmm. but keeping it cute and keeping it going. Mm-hmm. So I'm just easing into the summer and easing into work and trying to give myself as much balance as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm doing a good job. You're doing a fabulous job. I mean, what you're describing is so real. When I quit my job in 2020, I entered into what I have called my hippie era yeah. because it was like, damn, I'm exhausted yeah. from my entire life. Yeah. Like, and it was the first time I had ever not been in school, not been working full time, and it was pandemic. So there was this moment where I was kind of just like almost grateful that I wasn't expected to be anywhere because yeah. that is that can be so draining and you were dividing your time and being in a bunch of different places between your job and your school and the podcast so I totally feel you girl because you deserve the rest now yes I'm yeah you're in you were in your hippie era I'm in my like lounging era like I'm taking naps in the middle of the day like a 30 minute cat nap I'm lounging out trying to get sun trying to be by the pool like reading a little more throughout the day so yeah I'm really just trying to ease into life and work and create a new system for myself like as we've talked about on the podcast over the years like we don't have to work a nine to five and you know be under the system of capitalism obviously we have to do things but we can do them at our own pace and as long as we get them done so I'm, I'm trying to implement that more yeah as we build and grow this year yeah and if anything we've learned it's that we cannot rush success. Right. Like it literally takes years. Yeah. And just chipping away at it and continuing to work at it, which I think being in season eight, I'm so grateful for that understanding. Yes. Like the work will still be there tomorrow. Yeah. And we could get any email, any phone call. And we have gotten them actually recently. You Mala guys. is dying to tell you something that she's not allowed to <laughs> tell you a, yet. Once again, as, as you know, she does this once again. All new, the time. new secrets that I cannot <laughs> share, but just know we have even more announcements coming in the future. Speaking of, you have been busy yeah. being your little comedic self so all fun. over the Southwest. So tell me more. I know you were traveling. You were booked. You were doing shows. Tell me more. Yeah. So I got to start I I had my first show like outside of LA in Bakersfield at the well and it was so fun and it's interesting because for LA comics I guess Bakersfield San Diego the Central Valley the Bay Area those are some of the first towns that comics will travel to and once you've gone to those places now it's like oh you're on the road so when I booked my Bakersfield show, Marcella, shout out Marcella Arguello, she comments on my Instagram when I like post about the Bakersfield show at the well, and she's like, our girl's on the road. Aww. So I'm like, yes, my first road gig, even though it's my family lives there, like I go there all the time, like it's only two hours outside of LA. It's considered like a road gig. So that was a really fun show because I had like 15 family members there. Yeah. And they had a great time. I had a good set. I was grateful because there's nothing worse than like, 
I've always dreaded inviting people to a show and then I bomb and then it's like, well, why did I even invite you guys? How embarrassing. But that was not the case. And then from there, me and like seven other comedians who I've met at Chatterbox, including like Stevana Delgado, we co-host at Chatterbox. We went to Austin for a, a comedy trip and I ended up doing a show out there that a bunch of you listeners went to because I met some of you guys at Austinite Cannabis Co. Sold out show. We did like an LA takeover. So it was just all eight of us and I headlined. It was very fun. Mala and Friends. Yeah. Mala and Friends is basically <laughs> what it was. Yeah. It was yeah. very cute. It looked fabulous. It was it fun. looked fun. It was super fun. I'll be in Modesto on July 28th. So, like, you guys look forward to that at the State Theater. I'll, I'm posting the flyer and I'll put the um, ticket link on my link tree. But, yeah, that's been me recently. So I'm going to Guadalajara this summer. So by the time this is out, I'll probably You'll have back. already gone. But yeah. I'll tell you guys about it Eventually. upon my return. Yes, yes. yes. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar para proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1855 as an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of My Cultura Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I love that. I love that. I love that you have, you've been traveling a little bit already this summer. Summer's just starting. What else have you been up to? Um, I know that there's a new initiative by the LA Times, a Latinx initiative called Delos. Yes, which is also launching in the midst of like broader things happening at the LA Times. We're actually going to talk about the LA Times a lot in this episode. Delos is a new Latinx vertical that sort of like has spawned out of like the Latinx files and the Latino caucus at the LA Times and a lot of journalists who for many years have been working to have more visible Latinx representation, not only like on the masthead and in the newsroom, but in the content that is being shared from the LA Times. So De Los is all about Latinidad in LA and they've hired a bunch of creators, content creators, to make videos about like our Latinx LA for De Los on Instagram Reels and on TikTok. So I have a video out which is actually about Chatterbox because I consider Chatterbox to be right now the mecca of Latino stand-up comedy in L.A. County. There's no other place that's doing it like Chatterbox, and it's been 10 years. So you can check out that video, follow De Los on Instagram and on TikTok. And once when De Los launched, it like happened in the midst of massive like potential layoffs at the LA Times. We were on Twitter one day and saw a bunch of Times journalists, especially the Latino Times journalists that we follow, tweeting about how they received like out of nowhere a notice that they were being let go. They were like letting go over 60 people, including some of their only Spanish speakers in the photo department, copy editors, audience engagement folks. So it's like a wacky time, not a good time. And the LA Times is not the only people laying off staff. Yeah, I mean, as you all know, there have been layoffs going on the last couple of months in media. So it's just a really tough time for journalists, especially as I mean, I'm super, super grateful that we have built our own. And mm -hmm. like I graduated not having to be on the job search so I really feel for like the journalists that just graduated, folks in my cohort that are like trying to figure out what their next move is, because it can feel really bleak and very grim right now in the journalism and media landscape. And, you know, Gimlet, who was bought out by Spotify a couple years ago, also had layoffs. And Elliot, one of our favorite local public radio stations, news outlets here in L.A., let go a lot of their staff and their podcast department was hit really badly some of our friends were laid off so we feel for them and we're sending them our best so it's just been rough mm -hmm. for la journalists for la folks working in media it's across the board across the board yeah mm -hmm. in podcasting writers as we know the wga the writers guild of america the writers are on strike and have been on strike now for what like 50 days? Yeah, since May 3rd, I believe. At the time of this recording. Mm -hmm. And um, it it doesn't, and I think my understanding is they voted to like approve their strike, right? right. It seems that they're going to continue to strike for the foreseeable future mm -hmm. until some concessions are made and protections are put in place from yeah. the studios and big execs so writers get paid fairly, 
so that writers are not being replaced by AI, so that writers are in proper rooms and have the resources that they need to like get the work done. And also so that writers are getting their residuals. Yeah. There's a lot of issues going on with streaming platforms and shows, as we've talked about, as we've covered mm-hmm. um, on past episodes and past seasons, shows getting cut. And a lot of that has to do with not paying writers and actors their residuals. Right. So it's all related. And, and now here we are. Here we striking. are. Striking. Yeah, definitely in solidarity with all unions. We support unions. We support labor unions in solidarity with the writers. I think there's a really big misconception and glamorizing of working in Hollywood and being a writer for like a hit TV show. A lot of these folks, like as we know with streamers, they're, they could be working on one season but aren't guaranteed a second season. Yeah. Especially if you're looking at Netflix, for example, we know that a lot of shows get canceled after season two, season three. And there's in a lot of contracts, like, because I've been following writers that have shared like pay transparency, like one year they can be making 200K mm-hmm. and the following year they're making only 30. Right. And that, that's not a livable wage in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So... There's writer Francesca Ramsey, and she has been really defending herself and a lot of the writers because people in her comments were conflating things like, well, you're making more than teachers and teachers should be paid more. No one is saying that teachers shouldn't be paid more or that writers should be making more than anyone else. It's more so like creating a livable wage. Mm -hmm. I think that that's it's really important to know like why the workers, why the writers are striking and Unions just make everyone's lives better, especially if you're a parent, if you're a caregiver, if you're a head of household, like unions just make your lives better because if you're in a union, it affects literally everyone in your little ecosystem unit. Right, right. So yeah, just you know, get informed, support the writers, support the writer strike. Yeah. And teachers have unions and the teachers strike all the time. All the time. The teachers were just striking. They were just striking. LAUSD. Yeah. You know? What What we have talked about and what we should be talking about is how writers are contributing to the economy of Hollywood and Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Writing and creating movies and TV shows is the business. It's the industry and it gives a lot of people jobs. Yeah. Cops don't do that. Cops should not be making more than (laughs) teachers or TV writers, honestly. Cops don't create anything. They don't contribute to economy or industry. They don't make anything. They don't right. provide a service. Right. A cop is not going to write you a TV show or teach your kid anything or fix your plumbing. Why are they making more than right. everybody? Yeah. Let's focus on that. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. As an actor, a producer, 
and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of My Cultura Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, just continuing with like what's been happening in LA these past couple months while we've been off season, like... Obviously, by the time y'all listen, like Pride Month is over, but Pride Month is all year round, y'all. It's Pride Year. We're proud every day. We're yeah. proud all year long. So we just want to recognize that. And also, we have an older episode mm -hmm. called The Bi Agenda. So if you haven't tuned uh, yes. in, listen to that one. We talk about our journeys as queer folks, as bisexual women. Yeah. And The Bi Agenda is cursing through our veins and through every episode. Like, we're pushing the bi-agenda constantly. And so, that being said, we want to talk about hot topic, hot issue all over L.A., the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and the Dodgers and the Catholic Church. Yes. Where to begin? You guys have heard about this. If yes. you're listening, if you're anywhere in California, you've probably heard about this. I mean, at this point, it's nationwide. So, for context... The Dodgers have a Pride Night. They've been doing it for many years. It's during Pride Month, and they give out a Heroes Award. And so this year they were honoring the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence for their decades of work, of charity work, of HIV prevention and mm. education. And they have an SF chapter. They have an L.A. chapter. And so their L.A. chapter was being honored. Conservatives caught wind of it. Marco Rubio caught wind of it. Lord. Like Villanueva. Folks, Villanueva. Like folks even outside of California and outside of L.A. caught wind of it. And they said that they were going to boycott the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. They were criticizing the Dodgers for giving this award. And so the Dodgers rescinded 
their invite to right. the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. So then, of course, you got all the queer folks, all the allies in the Dodgers comments, mm-hmm. you know, saying that this was wrong, that this that the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence deserve the Heroes Award, Heroes Award for all of their work. You had it just became very, very contentious. Lots of homophobia, of course. Mm-hmm. And so then the Dodgers apologized and they were like, just kidding. We apologize. <laughs> we're co- we're committed. <laughs> They're like, we're committed to like being better and being allies and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And we still want to offer the award to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The conservatives, the Catholics, all the same. They were not happy with that. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting closer to the, the Pride Night at Dodgers. And the day of... Yeah, there's like the Catholic Church, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles decides that they're going to have a prayer protest yeah. at the one of the parking lots at Dodger Stadium. And we were watching on Instagram. And horrified. Horrified. Uh, first of all, we come to find that there's a lot of alt-right actors involved in putting this protest together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's being labeled as a peaceful, prayerful protest. And you have former sheriff Alex Villanueva there mm-hmm. in his Tejana, in his cowboy hat, yep, uh, making speeches. And some people that we follow, um, unfortunately, also in attendance. Yeah. And making this about, oh, like, we can't stand a mockery of the Catholic Church. What a mockery of Catholicism. And there's just so much to talk about there. There's yeah. just so much to unpack. We have talked a lot about the Catholic Church, you and I, over the years, because, of course, as most of you know, we're Catholic schoolgirls, Roman Catholic, raised in it for many years. We've done the sacraments. We've done the confirmation. We've gone to mass. We've read the Bible like we know. Yeah. We get it. And what I know to be true is the Catholic Church is a world power is a multinational corporation with its own country. Vatican City is a country. And the Catholic Church still has not made amends for the centuries of child abuse and child molestation at the hands of Catholic priests. The Catholic Church is not a marginalized group. Catholics are not a marginalized religious group at all. Let's stop pretending that that's the case. Yeah. Catholics like colonized half the world. So like let's not pretend that they're a marginalized or oppressed group at all. They are going to be okay. Yes. And from all of the images, the videos I saw from local news, the LA Times created a a reel about what happened at the protest that day. And there's a lot of Latinos. It's not about just defending their religion. What it does is it, it masquerades as like a defense of religion, right. but it allows for homophobia, mm-hmm. blatant homophobia. There were you're going to hell signs being raised. And it's like a very contentious time in this country where right. anti-trans bills and laws are being passed. Books are being banned where people are talking about, quote, groomers again, like the Glendale School District. We're trying to initiate a pride recognition at their school. Again, alt-right folks started going to protests. It's been very violent. Mm -hmm. 
it is a really, really terrible time to be queer. It's always been, but especially right now, any sliver of like hope and being mainstream, like it's really dangerous again to be queer, to be trans in this country, even in Los Angeles. And so for the quote allies or folks that are saying like, oh, it's just because I'm I'm defending my religion because it's being made a mockery, like, no. Like, you're allowing for the homophobia, for mm-hmm. the transphobia, mm-hmm. the bigotry to permeate and to be on display and to be made okay again. Yeah, and, and for those listening, we pulled the bio, the biography of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. This is from their website. So from their website, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are a leading edge order of queer and trans nuns. We believe all people have a right to express their unique joy and beauty. Since our first appearance in San Francisco on Easter Sunday, 1979, the Sisters have devoted ourselves to community service, ministry, and outreach to those on the edges and to promoting human rights, respect for diversity, and spiritual enlightenment. We use humor and irreverent wit to expose the forces of bigotry, complacency, and guilt that chain the human spirit. What I love about this order of nuns, which is how they describe themselves, and you have more backstory on their connection to nuns, Catholic nuns, when they first founded back in the day in the 70s. What I love is that they employ humor And humor, comedy at its core, is supposed to be about punching up and making fun of the elite, those in power. And so they're doing it from within. And I think what we're not acknowledging and what makes Catholics uncomfortable is there is a place to make fun of Catholicism because Catholicism, that is punching up. You know, those are the Catholic Church can be an oppressor, has been, can continue to be. And so it's it's fair game. It's up for grabs. I love Jesus Christ Superstar. And I love, uh, you know, right. uh, um, what's the one with Whippy Goldberg? Sister, Sister Act. Act. Come yeah. on. The Catholic Church has been at the core of media like and depictions of nuns and priests and Catholicism for years. There's mm-hmm. a million TV shows yeah. and movies like yeah. it's it's like it's fodder for these things. The problem, you know? right? And the problem for the Catholics, the the ones that are upset right now, it's who's doing it, right? And that's why it's like, just be fucking real. Mm-hmm. You're homophobic. Mm-hmm. You're transphobic. Mm-hmm. You have a problem with who's doing it, mm-hmm. because when y'all are out doing the Stations of the Cross and having children enact the Stations of the Cross, yes. that's okay. Yes, that's okay to do. But anything else. Is a mockery. It's a mockery. Like, let's recreate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ with, ch- with child children. actors yeah. in front and, of the entire church community. And that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. So just want to read. Um, I found when I was doing my basic research as a human with a mind, which I hope that yeah. some of these people do, but they won't. On Google, uh, if you have a Wi-Fi connection. Yes. So something that I found on their website, uh, thesisters.org, is their origin story. And in 1976... In Iowa, a convent of Roman Catholic nuns lent some retired habits to the Sugar Plum Fairies performing their version of The Sound of Music. One year later, one of the founders of Sister Vicious Power Hungry Bitch (laughs) moved to San Francisco and brought those habits to the streets of the Castro District. So that is the origin story. The Catholic nuns lent retired habits to my knowledge, right, or my deductive skills is telling me that the nuns were okay with this being used as a performance. Yes, costumes. 
It's a costume. Mm-hmm. By queer performers, queer yes. entertainers. So this was ha- this happened in 1976, y'all. Yeah, and look, I think also people forget, like, you may be, like, some ultra-conservative, like, Opus Dei, like, Catholic, like, but... There are orders of nuns out there, aside from the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, that are highly progressive. Yeah. Highly, 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 highly progressive that fight for abortion rights, that fight for queer rights, that believe in women's rights. Nuns also historically, like throughout the world, you're going to find that convents have been places where queer women have gone so that they can exist and live without being forced to get married. Like, nuns are not, like, necessarily the ultra-conservative people that you might be imagining them to be. It's just not—that's just not their role. And also, the Catholic Church historically has not taken care of their nuns. Like, they don't help nuns to retire. They don't keep them fed and clothed into their old age. Like, notoriously, uh, nuns are left destitute in their old age. Right. You know, and so I don't know. There's just so much going on here. Also, why do we expect the Dodgers of all institutions to like, I don't know, like protect your religious beliefs or whatever? Why the Dodgers? They're a sports team. Right. You know, they're they're also a corporation. Yeah. Before anything else. They're not a religious group. I don't get it. Yeah, I also wanted to go back and say, like, a historical figure that was a nun that was believed to be queer because of her poetry was Sor Juana de la Cruz. Sor Juana. Yes. So, like, there's a historical example of a queer nun. Yeah. And there there are others. And, I mean, Sor Juana is famous in Latino communities. Mm -hmm. And there's they've made TV shows about her. They've made movies and documentaries about her. So I don't know. I just think uh, basically get a grip. (laughs) Like if you were at the protest, like you really had nothing else better to do that day than go join Alex Villanueva and his Mm -hmm. like alt-right pals to go protest an order of nuns. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Let's get let's go. Let's go sit in the archdiocese and demand that they pay their teachers at Catholic schools better. Those are teachers that don't have a union. Yeah. You guys know that? Catholic school teachers don't have a union. They don't have a union. And they're horribly underpaid. Yes. Let's go, let's go protest that. Yeah. There's so many things, like, if you want to demand more from your own religious from your own religious institution, like the archdiocese, like there's so much more that you could be doing if you really care about the betterment of your fellow Catholics, yeah, yeah. of your fellow people. Like, yeah. Oh, and when Nacho Libre came out, right. and Nacho is literally a priest in Mexico who like has like a little tryst with a nun in Carnacion, and they follow. Like, come on, you guys! Like, yeah. that movie was really fucking hilarious. Love that movie. And so did the rest of you. Right. And where was where were the protests? Right. At the movie premiere because it was making a mockery of the Catholic Church. Yeah. And also Give me a break. the Catholic Church has still not made amends for the boarding schools. No. That abused physically, sexually native children mm-hmm. in Canada, here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many atrocities and the Catholic Church is at the root of them, mm-hmm. and they have not made amends. I will recognize that the current pope has made some strides, but there's like centuries worth of violence. Yes. And that's what you need to focus on because yeah. as the trite saying goes, like 
Don't throw rocks if you're in glass if you're in a glass house. Mm-hmm. Don't throw stones and hide your hand. Yes. Come on, May y'all. May he who is without sin cast the first stone. Exactly. Come you think we now. can't quote scripture, bitches? <laughs> like, yes, we can. 12 years worth of Catholic school. We know. It's ingrained in us. We know. We, we can't forget know. it. We fucking know. And that's why I feel like we can talk yes, about this. Yes. You know? Yes. And I, like, shared a video that the LA Times made, and I was like, I promise you the Catholics are not, imp- not oppressed. And... I expected my DMs to be on fire, but no, because people fucking know, and the people, people that know. follow me know, they probably feel the same way I do, slash, I feel like you and I, like you said, can speak on these things, because we're not looking from the outside, we were inside. Yeah, I still go to church with my grandma and my mom when they ask me to. Right. I feel bad. I, I get it. You <laughs> I have to go bad. with mom and grandma Nacha. I get it. Oh, my God. It's such a thing still. But, yeah, go, like, and if you guys really know your church and really know your faith and really know Catholicism, then you would know all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Yeah. I'm not buying it. No. Woo, should we move on to Flamin' Hot yes. and the Hot Cheetos? St- another one, another hot topic. Another hot take. So we went to the West Coast premiere of Flamin' Hot. It was at the La Leaf Film Festival, the Los Angeles Latino International Film Festival, one of our favorite events in Los Angeles. It was Eva Longoria's directorial debut. Yes. Linda Yvette Chavez is one of the writers, the screenwriters, mm-hmm. past guest of Locatora. Full transparency. Oh, yeah, yeah. Past guest of Locatora Radio. We interviewed Linda Yvette Chavez and Marvin Lemus during our hen- the Hentified era. Just launched their first season, and it was during the pandemic, oh. like April 2020, when we interviewed them. And we had both of them on at the same time. Since then, Marvin and Linda have both gone on to do more projects. Linda with Flamin' Hot, starring Annie Gonzalez opposite uh, Jesse John Garcia who plays Richard Montañez, and Marvin has gone on to direct a feature film for Disney Plus called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, which is an adaptation of the children's book by the same title. And Eva Longoria is acting in that film. So it's kind of cool that like Eva has been involved with both Marvin and Linda, acting in their projects, directing, producing... Eva, girl, <laughs> we're here. We're here, honey. We're around. But but no, so um, we go. We go to La Leaf, which, again, we love. We saw the premiere of the movie. I loved the movie. I thought it was cute. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was well done. I thought Annie Gonzalez was fantastic, which seems to be the consensus. Yeah. Her performance was really a standout performance. And Jesse John Garcia was fabulous in his adaptation of Richard. Like, he gave Richard a personality that we could all connect to, that we wanted him to win. He made us laugh. He 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 really embodied that he's a family man trying to make it work and yeah. trying to make something happen for for his kids and his wife. You know, I liked it and I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, I echo that sentiment. I felt the same way. Um, I really liked the entire cast. I thought it was such so well done. You have to see. Yeah, I think with anything, like if you want to critique it or have you, you always have to like engage with it and watch it yourself and come up with your own, come to your own conclusion and your own opinion, right? Mm -hmm. Since its launch, there have been a lot of opinions, a lot of critiques, just per usual. Anytime there's a Latino, Latin A, Latinx project, Mm -hmm. there's chatter. 
There's discourse. Yeah, yeah. It's exhausting. It's necessary, perhaps, but it's also exhausting. I think there's a time and place. There are people that do it. I just personally don't feel like I don't want to be a film critic. I want to say it was 2021. Sam Dean, a tech reporter at the LA Times, wrote an article, and it was sort of like an expose-style article. And his thesis was that the so-called inventor of Flaming Hot Cheetos, Richard Montañez, did not invent Flaming Hot Cheetos at all, that it's based on a lie, that the LA Times received an anonymous tip um, from someone uh, formerly employed at Frito-Lay who reached out to say that, you know, she was there in the 70s in the Midwest and working in corporate and that Frito-Lay was working on developing spicy snacks before Richard Montañez entered the fold. So that was the kind of basis for the LA Times putting out Richard lied. And this is like how it's been framed. Richard Montañez lied. Yeah. The movie's based on a lie. But like Richard Montañez has been writing books and going on tour and doing speaking engagements and talking about Frito-Lay for 20 plus years. And has Frito-Lay ever like sent him a cease and desist? Have they ever said, stop saying that? Have no, to our knowledge. Yeah, I find it interesting that this came, this expose was published when obviously investigative reporting takes time. But I think it's very interesting that it came out shortly after the film was announced, uh, the making of the film and who was involved with the project. So I think that's really interesting because to your point, like this multi-million corporation is just going to allow a single man to go with this narrative. I don't know, maybe in their eyes it makes them look better. I don't know. But I think it's really interesting that there has been no like legal fallout and that a film like this was even able to be made if there was not some truth to it. And I think... There's also, you know, if you watch the film, there's a scene where they do address that in the Midwest there is a test lab and they are making something. And I think that that was probably the writer's way of addressing, like, some of what happened with the investigative report. Totally. The film is self-aware and depicts Mm -hmm. corporates, suits, snack developers Mm -hmm. working on spicy snacks. Like it's in, it's in the film. The film acknowledges that they were working towards spicy snacks already before Richard got there. And here's my deal. A huge at the time Frito-Lay already and PepsiCo already huge, huge corporations, huge. Nobody invents anything by themselves. Like when is there when like at this stage of the game and even then like teams of people invent things. And test things, you know, and go through different iterations and put out samples. And like, why is it so hard for us to believe that Richard was an integral part of the move towards eventually launching Hot Cheetos and all its different variations? And he's known as like the godfather of Hispanic marketing. And I think a big part of the film is like him getting the chips out there and into Latino communities. And whether you like it or not, and whether you like capitalism and marketing or not, we're in it, y'all. We're in capitalism. Like, that's the only way we survive is by making money sometimes on things. You know what I mean? Like, people love Hot Cheetos. Yeah. As, like... People love Hot Cheetos. People love Hot Cheetos. And then there's, there's like, a couple different things I'm seeing. I'm seeing, one, as a Hot Cheeto lover. And I consider myself a very healthy person, but... 
like I, I consume hot Cheetos and some of the conversation that I've seen like, okay, why are we not talking about how this snack is being forced or put on our community and there's red dye and that has health effects oh, and this God. and this and that. Like, so we're going to harp on the one, the one snack as if there's not thousands of yeah. things, you know? Is every birria variation right now the healthiest? Is birria ramen that everybody's obsessed with right now? Is that the height of health and wellness? Right. No. And then there's the other camp that I see, like, this is just a movie that's glorifying, like, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and the American success story that is, you know, has been discredited as a myth, right? We know that to be true. Both can be true. We know that. And I think it's frustrating for me. You know, I see there's a lot of want and desire by Latino media consumers to have a broader scope of film and TV and stories that are told, right? It's not just the sad stories. We know that those are true. It's not just immigration stories. We know that there's are tr- those are true. But it's also fun and light stories that we want. Yeah. Well, here's a fun and light film, mm-hmm. and it's still not good enough. It's still not mm-hmm. to the standard of what people want. Also, I will just say that a lot of the journalists that I'm seeing who are hating the Flaming Hot movie loved Selena the series and that shit was actually trash cheap poorly done hard to watch yeah bad this movie was well made it was well made well acted the hair was fabulous the wardrobe was fabulous Mm -hmm. you know like the writing it's a Disney it's a Disney movie yes remember that remember that it's a Disney movie this is a story that we're telling for entertainment purposes and it was well done and they did a good job also, the LA Times literally sponsored the opening night of Lalif, which was the premiere night of Flaming Hot. The LA Times logo was all over the napkins at the bar and all over the step and repeat. And everybody went from the Flaming Hot premiere with their complimentary bags of hot Cheetos, us included, and walked over to the Hollywood Roosevelt and took pictures in front of the LA Times sponsored step and repeat. Let's just remember that. Yeah. And so uh, the LA Times folks who are all up, it's based on a lie. Well, then why are you guys sponsoring the damn premiere? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think that there is some truth to his involvement. I don't think yes. that this that Eva would stake her directorial debut on something that's a flat out lie. I don't think that Disney would get involved in something that's a lie or the production company. Like there's so many people involved it's huge as you know like productions are huge and a production of this scale huge i think that there is some truth to it me too otherwise it wouldn't have gotten made yeah and like the way that credit is doled out for things like even on a song like one beyonce song is gonna have credits for like 15 writers yeah even if one of those writers contributed like one lyric three words You know, if that song was loosely based on somebody's song from 30 years ago, that person's getting a credit. Yeah. So going back to this idea, like, of course, one singular person was not completely and totally responsible for the creation, testing and distribution of a big product like Hot Cheetos. It was a fucking team, bro. Yeah. But why go so far as to say that Richard is straight up lying for his involvement in the success of this product? You know what I mean? Right. And it's also Richard's story. It's It's not not how 
Frito-Lay made hot Cheetos. It's how a man brought his sazon, his life experience, his story to a corporation, Mm -hmm. rose up to the ranks. That's what the story's about. Yeah. I will also say I did notice Eva Longoria directed this project. People are being nasty about her and Mm -hmm. about it. When Eva Longoria put out Searching for Mexico, same, nasty, oh, this is just selling the culture, and this is so cheesy and tacky. Honey, this is part of a Searching for series. Stanley Tucci has a Searching for Italy, and I fucking love it. Yeah. Are you guys are you guys jumping down Stanley Tucci's throat because he's doing a tacky, cheesy Searching for Italy? No, but it's Eva, so let's jump on her. Yeah, I think we like see it, to y'all. We see it all. Our thesis for all these years has always been when a woman does it, when a Latina does it, we're all going to hate on it. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. We're going to hate on it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to rally everyone else to hate on it, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and people are ready to, to show up for that call. Yeah. Ready. Yeah. Ready. Poise. Yeah. Anywho. Anyway, y'all, well, this has been a jam-packed episode <laughs> of our first episode to kick off the season. And we're super excited because next time on Locatora Radio, we're actually introducing a mini-series called Me, My Mental Health, and I. We're so excited. We have been talking about this series for a long time. On Me, My Mental Health, and I, we're going to be hearing from licensed therapists, artists, writers, all about their journeys with mental health and how it shows up in their work. So subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed. Follow us on all socials. I'm at Dios FM. And I am at Mala underscore Munoz. And you can follow both of us at Locatora underscore radio. Visit our website, locatoraradio.com. That's where you can subscribe to Besitos, our newsletter, and also leave us a speak pipe voice memo that just might show up on a future episode of Locatora Radio. What did you guys think about the Flamin' Hot movie? What do you think about the controversy? What do you think about all of the the critiques floating around maybe that's what you guys want to talk to us about send us a voice memo at locatoraradio.com and remember to share this episode and locatora radio with your primas besitos besitos locatora radio a radiophonic novella is executive produced and hosted by me mala muñoz and diosa fem story editing by me diosa audio editing by stephanie franco thank you to our locamores our listeners for all of your support Besitos. Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella. Hosted by Mala Muñoz and Diosa Fem. Network. 
tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar 20 en español.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.